Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, if you are an avid baseball fan, avid Yankee fan, you know that is actually the tune to the press conferences that the Yankees have, the tune to rain delays, um, and it serves as a memorial tune tonight. Because the Yankee family lost the son of George Steinbrenner, Hank Steinbrenner, earlier today at the age of 63. The announcement came down at 8.30 in the morning. He did not have COVID-19. and But he has passed. And so to Julia, his daughter, to Haley, his niece, to Stephen Swindle, his niece, his, own, his nephew rather, to Jessica, to Jenny, to Hal, my thoughts tonight are with you guys big time, big time here in New York. Of course, Mr. Simon passed away 10 years ago this July, which is crazy enough to think about. And the matriarch, Mrs. Steinbrenner, passed away a couple of years ago as well. So remember to always say, I love you. Remember to never, never go to sleep angry with each other. Because that doesn't help anybody, to be honest with you. And I do want to give you a couple of memories tonight on Keep It Real with Alex Garrett. Alex.Garrett21 at Yahoo.com. Firstly, uh, this is actually going to be the 20th year that I've known the Steinbrenner family, which is just crazy to begin with. That's amazing. 20 years. And in the beginning, it was always Mr. Steinbrenner. We'd see him. We'd see Hank here and there. And then in the later years, Hank would be there supporting his family every Yankee game and supporting the Yankees. And there were a few occasions which I really remember most when dealing with when, when talking with Hank Steinbrenner. Firstly, I had a um, bit of a medical issue at Yankee Stadium a few years ago. I think it was during the playoffs too. And I had to go to the bathroom, get cleaned up or whatever. But who was there to really comfort me through that? Outside the bathroom, he was just on the docks there, was Hank Steinbrenner. He said, yeah, I've had some issues like that before. Don't worry about it. I mean, he was very, very calming. His presence was always calming, actually. Then uh, another favorite memory I have with Hank Steinbrenner. Uh, Ray Negron had set me up with a bit of a press pass at uh, then Legends Field, now George M. Steinbrenner Field. And actually, it might have been George M. Steinbrenner Field because that was 11. I think they changed it. Yeah, they changed a couple years before while Mr. S was around. But I was traveling by bus to Steinbrenner Field. And Ray had set up a press pass for me or an all-access pass. And down there, I got to see the whole family. Jessica, Jenny, the kids who I had spent years with in the suites, watching games, watching big games too with them 
And then we went down for lunch. And I'll never forget having lunch with Hank Steinbrenner and Dellen Batanzas. So I guess I'm jumping on here tonight to tell the Steinbrenners always, we are always grateful and appreciative of your welcoming arms every single season. We miss your dad, Mr. Steinbrenner, and now we will miss Hank just as much. This is sad today that the Yankees and the city lost a, the, the co-owner of the Yankees to six, at age 63. And I wondered why I couldn't sleep last night, by the way. I felt like I was grappling with something in my chest. It was very strange, and I hope that doesn't happen again tonight. But I woke up, had the fever, and had all this other stuff going on. Finally got better. And so much so that I'm here podcasting. I couldn't podcast this morning to be with my buddy Mike Myers, check in with his show at 9 o'clock. I just couldn't do it today. I felt weak. And I rested and I drank up some fluids and I got better. But sometimes when I have this intense feeling inside, I just wonder always what that means. If I could even in my sleep have this intense intuition that someone was struggling right now, then and there. And that got me where, you know, I do talk about do not be anxious, that verse. And sometimes I feel like I don't even heed that word. I feel like in my mind, if I just think about the future, it gets me down. I can't think about it that way because no no reality should have us locked down for more than a month more, right? I mean, until April, I should say. That should be the reality. We open up as soon as May hits. That's my hope and goal. And I, I think it's what the nation wants to do too. By the way, Governor Cuomo, I also happen to channel him today. I was sitting at the, you know, breakfast table. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about how he wants to get all these states organized to open up. And you can ask my mother this. I turn to mom and say, listen, this is like the colonies, the 13 colonies. That's what this is. And wouldn't you know it, two minutes later, Cuomo mentioned the word colonies. Very odd timing. Very odd synchronicity there, don't you think? But we do have states' rights. And on this, I want our state to act as we should. I don't want big government stepping and saying, okay, you have to do it here. And maybe Trump isn't going to order that. He said he's going to work with the governors, which is great. But I could see why Andrew Cuomo was a little freaked out when Trump said, I have total control. No, you, President, Mr. President, you don't have total control. The Republicans, no, you don't have total control. The Republicans are all about states' rights, right? They are the ones that say, leave it up to the states, while Democrats say, let the federal government decide. Now the roles are reversed. Well, at least with the president, I don't know. I feel like some Republicans are probably uncomfortable with it. And the states are saying, we have our own rights too. So seven states working in coordination with each other to open up. Doesn't that remind you of the 13 colonies that started this country to begin with? 
I think so. I think so. But the one burning fire that I've had in me the whole last couple days, just haven't had able to get an expert on it. But the New York Post released this intense memo by the New York City, I believe, Emergency Regional Assistance. And let me get you what this get this right here. Hold on one second. I sent, there we go. The headline in the post today was or, or a couple weeks ago actually. I'm a little bit behind on this because I was waiting to see if I get an expert. But the the headline on the post screamed EMS, EMTs have stopped taking people in cardiac arrest to coronavirus strained hospitals. The headline alone Tells me, hey, we don't care about your heart attack that you're about to have. We don't care. And when when a regular person sees that, does it not shake them to the core that maybe, just maybe, the medical team wouldn't have their back? It seems ridiculous to think. And by the way, the first responders are doing an amazing job with the coronavirus patients. The healthcare workers are working overtime, nonstop. That's why this letter coming out was so disappointing by the Regional Emergency Medical Services Council of New York. Very disappointing. So what 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 would happen is if you couldn't get revived on the scene, that's it. They're going to work on you, but if they can't put a pulse back, they won't transport you to the hospital. Which is usually the norm. And it's scary to think that we're in a time where a heart attack patient can't be taken to the hospital. That's that's not reality. That is dystopia. Now, my, my buddy who, I don't know if I should name him or not, he's a dispatcher. He says, um, he sent me this because Part of my angst was actually going to sleep talking about this very, very issue. Because as 911 calls are going up in the city, I still say, don't print out headlines that say, you, you, you won't be taken to the hospital. No. Be a little less sensational about it. We have people's lives on the line. COVID, heart attack, other people, addicts, alcohol. I mean, all these different things need care. So by saying, oh, you know what, the EMTs are going to take your, you to the hospital if they don't have a pulse. I mean, that's just freaky to me. And I wonder if it is to you. Alex.DR21 at Yahoo.com. Alex.DR21 at Yahoo.com. So um, my friend sends me this. He sent me a, a CNN article in which there was more clarity on it, and I want to share that with you really quickly. And they're they're doing more. EMS teams are then instructed to call dead on arrival removal teams, according to this memo. Pretty grim. And 
I don't know if it's a public service to truly announce all this in the time where crisis, anxiety, coronavirus fears are all up. Why the need to release this memo? What is the point with this fear injecting note to people who might actually have heart problems? I'm sure they're freaking out about this. But on further review, Joseph Schenker actually explained it more. What they say is, during doing CPR, performing rescue breathing are very, very high-risk procedures in this environment. The likelihood that you're going to have a success resuscitation after doing all the CPR in the field is so low that the risk of doing CPR in that ambulance is so great, it outweighs the benefit of the transport. He goes on, the success of the resuscitation is very low, adding that the risk is more dangerous than the benefit. That's the reality that they are facing. What they want EMTs to do is do approximately 20 minutes of resuscitation, 20 minutes of advanced life support. And if, if, if that doesn't work, then they can leave. So here you have CNN actually doing the research. And then the Post is like, no, 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 guess what? You can't get it. You can get it. And I was happy to see this article sent to me about Remax explanation. Because we can no doubt trust our EMT workers and EMS workers. That's why they're there. So don't be afraid. Don't look at a headline that says, oh, they're not taking transporting people to hospitals. Just call 911 and get yourself fixed if you really have to. While it may be unnerving to hear the sirens all the time outside our windows, believe me, it's a life-saving journey those ambulances are on. And police cars. I mean, it is a heroic situation we're in now. And I just hope at the end of all this, the helping, the caring, the loving on one another doesn't stop when we can get back on the subway or get back on the streets of New York and run around. This might have truly changed the era that we're in. This might have truly changed the behavior that we've been seeing. This might have truly changed our connection to one another for the better. And I really hope so. I think being away from each other, you're actually forced to communicate more, get work done more and quicker and effectively. You're inspired to keep in touch with family. You're inspired. Well, let's keep that inspiration we have now to get the work done, to talk with family, to be with family. Let's take that inspiration and see how it goes after the pandemic. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. But this has truly become a time to build better habits. As I said on one of my pieces, stay-at-home quarantine can build well, stay-at-home habits that you have during the stay-at-home routine shouldn't just end here. If they're good habits, keep them for when you are back on the road, for when you are back on the subways and buses, for when you are back in restaurants having dinner with each other. Because 
We should not let an article say, hey, help's not here for you. That's not right. It's right to say, we're still going to give you the 20 to 40 minutes that we can before we uh, to attempt to try and save you. That would be nice. That would have been a nice memo to see. Because in reality, that's all they want to do is to sort of, well, the EMS workers, all they want to do is help you for 20 to 40 minutes, and that's great. So why are we putting on the front page of a major newspaper or a title on a major newspaper article saying, EMS won't take you to the hospital? It's not right. It does more harm than good to publish something like that. And while it's not fake news, it's news that could have been worded differently, New York Post. And I really want to get reaction to this from... And I'm going to keep on going because this, this story isn't ending here. Especially if the 911 calls continue to rise. It's even more of an issue then. So, let's not... Let us not have panic during this time. Let's be open and say, you know what? They will take you to the hospital. They may not be able to take you to the hospital, but at least they're going to do 20 to 40 minutes on you to revive you. Give that narrative. Because if you give that narrative, people will actually be encouraged to call 911 if they're in need. When you say, oh, they're only taking care of COVID patients. They're only taking care of this. They're only taking... Where's the will to call 911 for anything else? They almost make you afraid that you can't have your... Um, and some non-essential surgeries have been canceled, by the way. But even so, they make it sound like you can't have your care the way it should be because the COVID patients are dominating. That should not be the message. The message is, we can handle your cases too. In addition to the COVID patients. And I love that these doctors and nurses are giving hands-on care to each of these patients. It's amazing. It's love. I've never seen that kind of love uh, talked about anyway. I've seen that love in the, the ICU and NICU when I was a little baby. I mean, I don't really remember it, but I've seen it in pictures. The love of doctors, the love of nurses should always be there. No ifs, ands, or buts. No ifs, ands, or buts. So hopefully in a couple of minutes, I'm going to get my buddy Ed Delgado on because I've got <clears throat> an idea. Um for a show in the next hour. So, I'll keep you posted on that. And please, please, do not be afraid to call 911. Do not let sensationalist headlines dominate your thought. And take care of yourself. And if that means calling 911, so be it. That means calling 911. And while we thought we had uh, Ed Delgado all lined up, unfortunately, he and his family are going through something right now, and prayers for him and his wife and their family on this Tuesday night. We'll definitely have him back on to do the whole handoff thing like I do in the morning with Radio Hope, hopefully back on the air 
tomorrow morning. Wasn't feeling too good tonight uh, or this morning. Now I'm talking a mile a minute. But prayers for Ed and his family, the Caramel Conservative. We'll be back with him soon. And we wish him all the best through this time. And may God be with him and his family. And be with the Steinbrenner family as well during this tough, tough day. And uh, there's got to be brighter days ahead. Have a great night.